0: Thank you for listening to First in 10, a Tennessee Titans podcast from the Nashville Post. I'm your host, Michael Gallagher, sports reporter for the Nashville Post, joined as always by my intern, Austin Wright. And our special guest today is Luke Warsham He is the Tennessee Titans reporter for A to Z Sports. Guys, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad, glad to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're in the thick of camp. Titans have an off day today, so I figured it'd be a nice time to, to record and kind of, Talk about some of the big the big storylines that have gone on through training camp through the first week or so. Yeah. I think the main thing everyone wants to, to talk about is Julio Jones, Julio Jones, Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't been practicing the last couple of days. He kind of came down awkwardly. Um, I think it was Sunday or Monday, whenever it was. He hasn't been practicing a lot, but I think from what we've seen... Obviously, we know what Julio Jones is. We know what the Titans are getting in Julio Jones. He doesn't need to practice. He's kind of earned that right at 32 in the career he's had not to have to go through the rigors of training camp like everyone else. Yeah. Um, but adding Julio Jones, you already had A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds. You added some really nice guys in the draft with Racy McMath and Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, my question to you guys is, is this the deepest receiver group the Titans have had? It, it definitely is in the, in the last handful of years, but is it – does it rival one of the best receiver groups they've ever had, possibly ever? Um, Luke will get your take and then will kind of jump in.
1: Yeah, I, I think it definitely is because, you know, for years, this franchise had sort of this wide receiver plague looming over them. You know, they, they got great production out of Derek Mason in the early to mid 2000s. And he was a really good player. But other than that, it's been, kind of bust after bust, or if not bust, you would end up with someone like a Kevin Dyson or a Corey Davis who like did nice things, but never really dominated in in any discernible way. And so now to have two guys and, and AJ Brown and Julio Jones, who can do that, who can dominate, who can dictate coverage by how strongly they can play is a first for this franchise because you know we're used to watching the Titans draft receivers that end up being, you know, uh, Justin Hunter and Dorial Green Beckham, and uh, there are other names that are, are escaping me. But this is a new thing for this franchise to have such an abundance of riches at wide receiver, and you have to throw Josh Reynolds in there too because he's a couple of tiers below those top two players, but he is still someone that has produced in the NFL. And I think that, you know, if you look around the NFL at number three receivers, uh, he's gonna end up being one of the better ones, I think. So yeah, definitely this is the best group of receivers they've had. And it's been really awesome to, to watch over the first week of camp, as you just look out there and see all of these weapons that Brian Tannehill will have at his disposal.
2: Yeah, and I, I agree with that sentiment. I, I do think that this is probably the deepest core of receivers that the Titans have ever had. And I think it's a really good thing, especially for Ryan Tannehill. I, I do believe that uh, with all the weapons that he does have available, with now with Julio Jones in the mix as well, I think that this is a group that should be a force to be reckoned with. I, I think that the league needs really needs to take – a look at what's going on during training camp there's a lot of good progress coming out of racy mcmath i think he's made a lot of great strides during this time just taking a look at what's been talked about with him and even just beyond that i really think that all those guys that are still in the mix now i think that they all together collectively as a whole are definitely better than any cores than before we've had great right receivers or tight ends like Delaney Walker come through as well. But it hasn't been like a whole core. It's only been maybe one or two players. And then, of course, there's always been great running backs for the Titans, but not necessarily receivers. And so I think that this year really is a big difference maker in that talk.
1: And another thing that I keep saying, too, with this receiver group is obviously the guys at the top are the very best in the league. But even you get to like four, five, and six, and while they're you know obviously several tiers down from that, the Titans are going to be in a position where every receiver that makes the roster, whoever those receivers are, will be providing the team some sort of discernible attribute or quality because it we're used to guys making the roster as a five, six receiver and just sort of existing and and not really giving any sort of juice or, or adding really anything other than just simply being a body. Whereas you look at guys like, and I know we'll talk more about them in a minute, but you look at guys like Nick Westbrook-Akina and, and Chester Rogers, and, and you mentioned Racy McMath and and Mason Kinsey, however that shakes out, they're going to have to probably cut a, a receiver who can offer some things, but they're going to be able to keep some a, a few extra receivers who offer some things.
0: Yeah, I'm, I kind of agree with, with what both you guys said. I think uh, the last time they've had a wide receiver duo as good as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I think it was, you have to go back to 2004 when I think Derek Mason had an 1,100-yard season and Drew Bennett had a 1,200-yard season, but they've, they've only had one season like that where they had two dominant 1,000-yard receivers. I think we're looking at potentially two 80-reception, 1,000-yard seasons here for Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. And I think Josh Reynolds has a good chance, too, to put up solid numbers as well. I think... You're looking at somewhere 40 to 50 receptions, maybe a handful of touchdowns. I think Josh Reynolds is going to provide what Adam Humphries was supposed to do the last couple of years, but obviously he didn't because of the injury concerns. And that's not even talking about what guys like Des Fitzpatrick, Nick Westbrook, Hakeem, Ray C. McMath all bring to the table. They bring a different skill set and different attributes outside of what A.J. Brown and Julio Jones offer. And it's going to be really hard to double-team any of these receivers because if you double-team one, they have two or three or four guys in the, in the pipe that can come out and, and really play. So I do think they are set up really well this year to potentially have the, the best collective year for their receiving core that maybe they've ever had as, as a franchise. And kind of going with that, talking about just, just A.J. Brown, we, we all, before Julio Jones came here, we all kind of expected A.J. Brown to take that next ascension up to, to the top five receiver in the NFL. He was on the trajectory already already heading there. I think adding Julio Jones is going to make AJ Brown a better receiver. And Kayla Anderson said it a couple weeks ago when we had her on. AJ Brown is playing with, with Julio Jones, who is his idol. That's going to motivate him to be better than he was to, to, to kind of to work that in there. And I think that when you have two receivers like that, it, it's not really a competition. It's just they want to make each other better. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. So how, how good do you guys think AJ Brown is going to be this year?
1: with Julio Jones on the opposite side. Well, I think A.J. Brown would be better even without Julio Jones because A.J. Brown is, in terms of skill set, a better player right now than he was at the end of the 2020 season. You start with the health because we come to find out after the 2020 season ends that he needed double knee surgery, right? And so the whole season he's playing on bum knees and – and barely making it around out there so you take the health factor the fact that he's now fully healthy he's had the surgeries he's starting fresh but he's also trimmed down a little bit and you could notice that he 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 admitted that in a press conference, but you didn't even have to ask him about it. You could just tell looking at him that he looked leaner and better. And AJ's a big dude. And I remember watching him in rookie min- camp thinking, is this guy going to be able to get open? I mean, he was just so big and thick. He was like a big tree walking around and he's trimmed down a little bit. He's a little slimmer. And so he moves a little bit better, but he still has that big frame. And he's looked incredible in practice. And I know you can only take so much stock in practice, but this is a Pro Bowl guy who has improved his quickness. He's improved his change of direction after it was already good. And then you add Julio Jones to that mix, the fact that no one's going to be able to double cover him, because if you double cover A.J. Brown, you have one less guy to cover the future Hall of Famer on the other side. I think A.J. Brown is going to take a major step forward in 2021. And there are steps forward for him to take. Look, A.J. Brown's a phenomenal player, but the last two years, and part of this is because they run the ball so much, he's just kind of barely gotten to that 1,000-yard threshold. I know he missed a couple of games in 2020, but the next step for A.J. Brown is to be that week-in, week-out guy who dominates, and I really think he can get there th- this year based on what I've seen. He looks fantastic.
2: And I'm going to agree with you as well, Luke. I, I think that AJ Brown really can take the next big step and get to possibly 1300 yards this year, a little more than that and go beyond just the 11 touchdowns that he had last year and just barely over a thousand yards as well. I I really think that with the addition of Julio Jones, and we've said this before on this podcast, the iron sharpens iron factor here with Julio Jones being added to the roster and him being a mentor to AJ Brown. I think that that's really invaluable for him this upcoming season. And I think that with that, uh, AJ Brown will really be able to take more bigger strides uh to becoming a better receiver for the Titans and as well he also had a few injuries that he had to deal with last season and this year he'll be coming into it fully healthy ready to go just like he did his rookie year and I think that because of that it'll help him all the more and he will be able to have a great year uh overall for the Titans and I really can't see him going about 1300 or more yards.
1: Yeah,
0: and I think if you just if you've seen some of the videos, some of the guys have tweeted out for, from training camp. AJ Brown has just looked like a man among boys throughout the first week. He's, yeah. He was injured last year, so we didn't really get to see him. And that's just crazy to think about. He's playing on two bum knees, and he still had a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns, seventy reception season, and he was even better than he was his rookie year when we we assumed he was healthy for for most of that year. Um, during training camp, I mean, he's just, he's making, he made a one-handed catch on day one. That was really impressive. He had two touchdowns on the second day. One of those, he, he went up and he split Janoris Jenkins and Amani Hooker in the end zone. He had three more scores on, on, on the fourth day of training camp. He's just truly been dominant going up against the Titans defensive backs. And I think having, I think you guys are right, having Julio Jones on the outside, he's gonna benefit from not being double teamed as much because no one in the right mind is going to double team. No one's going to leave Julio Jones wide open down the field, that that's just not a good idea. Josh Reynolds, you know, coming out of the slot too, it's, like I said, you can't double team any of these guys because they have so many guys that can burn you. And I think kind of talking about, we know who one, one through three is, it's going to be A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds. But guys four through six, we assume that the Titans aren't going to carry any more than six receivers on the roster with the expanded um, expanded rosters that you can have for the practice squad. They'll probably see a couple guys on there. But you, you have Nick Westbrook-Akeen, Cam Batson, Des Fitzpatrick, Chester Rogers, Marcus Johnson, Fred Brown, Mason Kinsey, Racy McMath, Cody Hollister, and Kalajja Lipscomb. So much talent in that group. And like you said, Luke, it's sad that most of those guys, a lot of them are going to get cut just as a byproduct of, of a numbers game. But it, my nice. gut says four through six, you're looking at some combination of Nick Westbrook-Akeen, Cam Batson, and Des Fitzpatrick. And I think Racy McMath will be on the roster but more as a special teams player just because of the speed that he has. And I think he will get a chance to kind of work into the fold as a receiver, and it's, which which is kind of sad because Chester Rogers and Marcus Johnson have both been looked really good during training camp. You want to root for Kalaja Lipscomb because he went to Vanderbilt, the local kid, but they're all of those guys. Probably there's just not enough room. There's just too much talent right there.
1: Yeah. In my eyes, four and five are pretty set in stone barring some sort of drastic development Uh, That would be Des Fitzpatrick, you don't cut someone that you spend a a fourth round pick on. And then, uh, Racy McMath, I think is also set in stone. Mike Vrabel said that they are anticipating him to have a major role on special teams. And Mike Vrabel is not really someone who makes bold declarations like that. And so when he does, you have to take a lot of stock in it and you don't, you don't say that about someone that you're going to turn around and cut in a few weeks. So like you said, four special teams and then hopefully eventually some offensive contributions. I think Racy McMath is locked in as number five. And so then you look at that sixth spot and, and if I had, you know, gun to my head right now and had to tell you who it's going to be, I would easily say Chester Rogers. And, and here's why I would say that. It's not that he's a better wide receiver than Nick Westbrook-Akina, but he returns punts. And you look at this roster and they don't have anybody that returns punts. Because the past few years, it's been some combo of Adoree Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Khalif Raymond. Well, none of those three guys were on the team anymore. And the Titans don't really have a running back that can return punts. They've they've tried Darrington Evans and Brian Hill back there, some in practice. But that doesn't strike me as a legitimate competition with with the two of them. I think it's going to be returning punts, someone of the trio of Batson, Kinsey, and Rodgers. And of those three, I think Rodgers gives you the most on offense. He's a good slot player. I, I talked to Deshaun Kaiser after practice a couple of days ago and 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 he talked a lot about how Rodgers is a really reliable player in the slot and, and that you know he liked working with Rodgers last year because Rogers spent basically the whole year on the Titans practice squad as he rehab an injury. And he's looked good in practice you know, whatever stock you want to take in that. Uh, with, with really all three quarterbacks, he's played, you know, first team, second team and third team. Uh, and, and so I think that punt return ability, because they so desperately need that, puts him ahead of the other guys. And it's not like Chester Rogers is going to be you know, Devin Hester or Josh Cribs or anything like that. But what he does give you is reliability and experience because he returned a ton of punts in Indianapolis and he has kickoff return experience. You can put him back there as well. He's reliable. He's not going to do something stupid where the ball ends up on the ground. And so for those reasons right now, I think Chester Rogers is your six. And then the question becomes, do they keep a seventh?
2: And yeah, I, I would have to agree on the fact that Bracey uh, McMath has really been an impressive during these training camp. Uh, practices. I, I really like what I've seen out of him. And I, I really think that he's making a lot of great strides. He's a big physical presence. And a lot of people have noted that going into these practices. I think that he'll be a great addition to the Titans roster. And I can see him uh, making a big impact uh, being there in a, in a four slot for sure, as well as Des uh, Fitzpatrick. I think that he's been really good. He's a f- nice, fast receiver, fresh out of college, uh excuse me, coming from Louisville. And I really think that he could make a lot of great strides as well on the team and has really been making a big impact, although he did have a bit of a scary play with uh, Brady Breeze just uh, in practice the other day. But uh, that that issue obviously was getting resolved by Mike Vable. He was not happy about that uh, in the press conference later in that day. But I, I think that going past that, he'll be able to get over that injury or that hit necessarily, I should say. And I think that he'll be a good slot as well for the Titans. And I think, like you said, Luke, uh, Marcus Johnson, I think that he could be a really good fit for the Titans as well, just for the fact that he has been playing in the AFC South. He knows what's going on in this division, as well as uh, his overall stats. They may not be impressive necessarily, but he is a workhorse. He'll do whatever is necessary, and I think that he could fit in whatever's – that Mike Vrabel sees fit there as well.
0: And I think kind of talking about just how, how many options the Titans have at receiver. I think that, that's ultimately what you want as a head coach is you want, you want options. You don't want to be like, okay, we have to go with, with, with this guy over here because we don't have any other choice. Now they can pick and choose, they could pick Des Fitzpatrick because of his height and and how physical he is. They can pick maybe someone like Chester Rogers, who has experience returning punts. They can pick someone like racing with math, who can just outrun everybody. Um, But with all those weapons that Ryan Tannehill were expecting him to have this year, is this the year that he finally becomes a no doubt top 10 quarterback given the weapons that he has? And I feel feel stupid even asking this question, because in my mind, he already is a top 10 quarterback. The numbers prove that. Since he took over as a Titan starter, he has a better quarterback rating, more total touchdowns, and a higher completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes. I, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good bar to pass if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I feel like he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of love, especially from ESPN, because they just love to bash Ryan Tannehill for whatever reason. But I think the thing to keep in mind is, too, Todd Downing is taking over as the offensive coordinator, and everywhere he's gone, he has made the quarterbacks there better. Matthew Stafford, Kyle Orton, Derek Carr, and I think he'll do the same with Ryan Tannehill. We all know that he kind of Todd Downing kind of favors the pass a little bit more than the run than Arthur Smith did, and I think you'll kind of see that come out this year. I think we, we could be looking at a potential 4,500 yard, 40 touchdown type of season for Tannehill. If you look at his best year in Miami, it came when he had nearly 400 passing attempts. So I think if Todd Downing kind of goes, obviously you expect with Derrick Henry to run the ball more than you do pass it, but I think if you see an increase in how much they are passing, I think Ryan Tannehill kind of flourishes there. It's, it's kind of like with, with the Predators with Pecorino. He said that he got better the more shots he faced. I think the more pass attempts Ryan Tannehill gets, the better he's going to play. What are
1: your guys' thoughts? So the question is really, because like you said, I think Ryan Tannehill is already a top 10 quarterback. The question is, will he get recognized around the yeah. league as a top 10 quarterback, right? And I think the answer to that's no, <laughs> because if you have it now, I don't know what he's going to be able to do to get you there. Because here's the thing: if he goes off this year, he's he's gone off before. But but if he goes off this year and has a great season, here's what you're going to hear: Yeah, but anyone would do that with Julio Jones. Anyone would do that if they had A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry. So I mean, you know, it's 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 Ryan Tannehill. He sucked in Miami. You know, yeah, that's what you're going to hear right after the season. I, I think there's no hope for the national narrative on Ryan Tannehill. And to quote AJ Brown from the other day, it's stupid. You know, AJ Brown was asked about this whole well, Ryan Tannehill is just the guy who hands off to Derrick Henry. And AJ said, "Well, Derrick doesn't get it every play." Like <laughs> it's it's stupid. But no, people are going to have their narratives. People are going to want to knock down Ryan Tannehill. I don't I don't really get it. Um because and, and Paul Koharski One thing he keeps bringing up, you know, as as we chat among media members and and have these press conferences is he's like, you know, everyone keeps saying, well, you know, he only succeeds because of the talent around him. It's like, so why are we punishing him for the fact that he has a good general manager? Like, any sense at all? Patrick Mahomes has a ton of weapons. Do we look at him and say, well, Patrick Mahomes is only good because he's throwing to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. No, no one has ever said that. And, and yet we apply that logic to Ryan Tannehill. So no, that, that the narrative's not going to change. I don't think.
2: I, I unfortunately will have to agree that the narrative may not necessarily change, and especially with ESPN just perpetuating that, not putting him in the top ten a couple weeks ago uh, among quarterbacks. I think that that needs to change. I think it will, and he will prove to be a top ten quarterback. But it probably won't come up too much. Uh, among media members, necessarily, that he will become a top 10 quarterback. Maybe on Good Morning Football, I'm not sure. They might, they usually uh, have a little love for the smaller market teams eventually. But I do think that Ryan Tannehill can really pass the threshold of being an elite quarterback in the league, a top 10 quarterback. And I think that I agree with you, Michael, that a larger quantity of passes could be a big benefit towards Ryan Tannehill. I mean, last year he had 481 attempts and he was able to have 7.9 yards per uh on that but the year before he had 286 yards per attempt but had his highest of his career so far in the nfl with 9.6 yards for the average uh so i i think that a larger quantity could help and especially it doesn't hurt with the receivers that he has i think that he will be able to become a top 10 quarterback for sure this season, especially with the weapons that he has available in A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and all those great receivers, as well as Derrick Henry. And I think that them utilizing even more play action, just like they did last year, I think still utilizing play action could be a big benefit as well, just to keep it in the mix for the Titans offense this season. I I want to say this too, Austin, you you brought up the point about
1: more passing volume. I don't think the Titans want Derrick Henry to run for 2,000 yards this year. He's capable of it, right? He's a super good player and that's a remarkable achievement. But I don't think they want that this year. I think they would love if Derrick Henry ran for like 1, 15, 1,600 yards because you're still going to be near the top of the league with that, right? but but I think they want to throw the ball more this year and you can do that without becoming a you know some kind of air raid offense. because Derek Henry is so spectacular that he doesn't need 28, 29 carries to produce. He's not one of these guys where, you know, you give him 25 carries and you hope that on carry 26, he finally pops one off. Like, that's not who he is. He is a chunk gain running back constantly throughout the game. And so I think they they want to give more volume to the passing game this year with their weapons, but still rely extremely heavily on Derrick Henry because there's a long way to go down from the amount of volume he got to, to get to 2000 yards in 2020. Yeah, I think you both are right. I think the Titans do want to
0: kind of save Derrick Henry a little bit more throughout the season and have him a little bit more fresh for the playoffs. Obviously he can run for 2000 yards every year, but you, that's not, you don't want as much money as you've invested in him for him to be doing that. So I do think the solution is to have a higher volume coming out of your your passing game. And I think Ryan Tannehill is very much capable of it and i think todd downing is is the guy to kind of bring that out of him. i almost feel like this may be a terrible analogy that makes sense to only me but i feel like ryan Tannehill suffers from from jim from the office he's a great actor i love john krasinski no matter what i see him in whether he's in a quiet place or any action movie or whatever i'm that's jim from the office and i think ryan Tannehill is the same way no matter what he does he could go out and throw 6,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. He's always going to be labeled as Ryan Tannehill from Miami. That was terrible for so many years because he had a bad supporting cast there. And I, I I think you're right, Luke. I think he, no matter what he does, he's not going to get that recognition because like you said, right now he is a top 10 quarterback. The numbers don't lie. Stats don't lie. The numbers say he's a top 10 quarterback. And for whatever reason, no one likes to give him his fair his due. And AJ Brown has ab- absolutely had, had a, a right to go off. Like, why is this even a question that we're talking about? But I digress. Moving into the next topic, it, it feels like we've been talking about this for a decade now. The Titans kicking situation has not gotten any better, <laughs> nor is yeah. there any light at the end of the tunnel, nor will there any be any light at the end of the tunnel if they keep bringing in guys that have accuracy issues. Tucker McCann, I guess you can say he, he beat out Blake, Blake Hybel, but they were both not very good. Tucker McCann, no question, he has a strong leg. The problem is his accuracy. He's really struggled with some easy kicks in training camp. I think, for instance, he missed a 40-yarder on the second day. On on the fourth day, he missed a 33-yarder and a 42-yarder. These should be routine kicks for NFL kickers. So what in your guys' mind, what does Tucker McCann have to do to win the starting job and they brought Sam Picken in. Is Sam Picken? do we consider him a real threat for the starting job? Or is he there to, to just kind of push Tucker McCann and give him a little shot? Like, hey, you're not just going to be
1: handed this job. Yeah, they both stink. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this is not going anywhere. It's going to be Steven Goskowski or someone who gets cut from another team. Like, you know, you watch the kicking periods in practice every day. And it was bad when it was Tucker McCann and Blake Hobby. It felt like every day it was – you know, this guy went three for five and that guy went four for five like that that shouldn't be happening. There's no pressure in these situations, at least compared to what you would, would see in a game. And then they they cut Blake Hobby. Like you said, they bring in Sam Fick in and, and things haven't gotten much better. It's still way too many misses and and kicks that just don't look pretty. I mean, you watch Justin Tucker, who's obviously the best of the best. But when he, he swings and the ball starts going, it looks pretty. It looks outstanding. And, and even Goskowski last year, he kicks it. It looks pretty. He can kick the prettiest misses you've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. These guys kick the ball. It just looks ugly, you know, come, coming off their foot, going toward a goalpost. This is not going anywhere. I, I, I used the term. I went on the radio last week. I said it is a charade. And that's what it is because the winner of this so-called competition is going to be someone that's not in the building. I would think Steven Goskowski is kicking for this team in 2021, but it could be someone else. You know, the, the, the Buccaneers have invested a lot in a, uh, a, a a kicker who's a rookie. I can't remember if they drafted him or if he was an undrafted guy, uh, but that could lead to Ryan Suckup getting cut, And then maybe you see a reunion there after the good season that he had in, in 2020. Or, or similar situation somewhere else across the league where a veteran gets cut in favor of the young guy, and you, you can bring in a steady veteran. But it, it's going to be something like that. It's not going to be one of these guys they have here now.
2: Yeah, I, I would like to believe that they would bring in somebody else for the Titans eventually because, yeah, the, the work that's been put in by Tucker McCann and Sam Ficken, it's been mediocre at best, I guess I would have to say. And it's been noted, like, whenever – uh Tucker McCann, whenever when he went up to kick a few of these uh, field goals, from even from mid-range, like 33 or 40, set, 40 yards out, um, they were pretty much line drives, like you said, Luke. They weren't necessarily pretty kicks. They they got there, but they weren't necessarily that good. And I, I don't know that they, these guys will have sustained success this season for the Titans, and I'm not sure that they should keep them around. But if they have to, I think they should at least keep Um, Tucker McCann I believe that he would be the better option than Sam Ficken but it it really isn't by much of a large margin and Tucker McCann just on Tuesday he was perfect from for all six of his attempts uh, but I mean they weren't necessarily the best and then just yesterday for him he missed a uh, 44 uh, yarder and I'm not really sure what else to say about him other than that. I mean, there's just small little critiques that I guess you can make about the kickers. Um, you can't ex- necessarily expect, like, a Steven Goskowski amazing year year after year and him to come back and just do that again for the Titans or to do that with the Titans. But I-, I just don't know that they will have a solid solution at kicker. Maybe ever. Who knows? <laughs> they necessarily haven't
0: it's very clear that Mike Vrabel is tired of answering questions about a kicker. I mean, he hired James Wilhoy, a Hendersonville native, by the way, to kind of, he didn't officially say what his title was, but we pretty much got the gist that he's going to be the kicking coach. He's going to be responsible for working with the kickers and the punters. And he was even asked, like, what is he going to do? And he's like, he's the guy I'm going to bitch to when we miss him. Vrabel even, he expects to miss them. He's telling you when we miss them, not if we miss them, when we miss them. So I, I just, I think it's very hopeless right now. Who knows what's going to happen? I Like you said, Luke, I don't think it's going to be either of these guys. We had David Beauclair on a couple weeks ago and he said the same thing. He thinks Steven Goscow is going to be the kicker for this team. And honestly, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't go. He was so bad last year, but down the stretch, I think he made like 10 or 11 in a row and started to kind of find his footing. I do think that, if they bring him back, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because your alternative is Tucker McCann, who's hitting three out of every five, and Sam Ficken, who has kind of been a journeyman, not really stuck with any of the teams he's been with. So I think kind of moving into the next topic, this will be – we'll wrap it up with – hopefully be a little bit more – I don't know. I feel like the last topic was kind of a downer this one is as well. Dylan Raidens, who – he looks the part of a starting right tackle. He looks like the guy you want protecting the right side of your of or your quarterback. He's shown flashes, but he's also he's also had some boneheaded plays as well. And Mike Vrabel said the other day. I wrote a story about it this morning. He said that Raiden's has the talent, but he needs to be better. And his run blocking skills are are really good. His pass protection is where he needs help because in North Dakota State they didn't really play a lot of football last year. He only had like 200 and something true pass protection downs. So I don't think right now it's, it's feasible to, to, to kind of count him into that discussion of, of participating, competing for that right tackle job. I think we're looking at Kendall Lamb kind of starting. And if either if, if he kind of falters, you have Tyson Riley, who filled in really well last year, David Questenberry. I think you have guys that can can start over there if you need. So my question to you guys is, how do we feel about Dylan Raidens? Do we think he's going to figure it out? And is it best long-term to to kind of have Kendall Lamb start this year or tie Rilo and let Raidens kind of develop at his own pace this year?
1: Yeah, I think when the Titans entered camp, they probably wanted Dylan Raidens to be their starter at right tackle in an ideal universe. But like you said, we've been far from that ideal universe. He has not looked good at all. I mean, you can look over there – and he's constantly getting beat by these you know, second and third team guys that he's going against. I've yet to see him play with Ryan Tannehill um, and, and he's moving around and it's just, it's not a good, a good look for him. It doesn't look too promising in terms of starting right away. Now, now his career is going to be long and this is not the time to sound the whistle on him being a bust. I think eventually he will be able to develop into a, a fine right tackle, but it's not right now. And I don't think it, Designer. I think you're looking at uh, Kendall Lamb. I think you're looking at David Quezenberry and Ty Sambrylo. I feel like Ty Sambrylo, uh, that's who I would prefer out there because he was a steady hand in 2020 when Taylor Lewan went down at left tackle. Uh, Sambrylo, however, has, has yet to practice in team situations. He's done some individual work, and he's come off of the pup list. Uh, but but Mike Vrabel said yesterday in that same press conference when he talked about Dylan Raidens he said uh, Ty will get a chance to compete at right tackle when he gets back. That's that's something that is going to happen. And so I think it's going to be one of those other three guys. David Quesenberry would scare me there. I know he did some good things in 2020 at left tackle, but there's just not a whole lot there. I don't think I think he's a backup player. He's not someone you want starting a lot. Uh, it will probably be Lamb or Cimbrilo. And as for who the leader in in that clubhouse is, I'm not really sure. Uh, Lamb's been playing a lot of left tackle in practice because lawan has not done team stuff with with Quezenberry at right. And so I, I can't really pinpoint what they're thinking or what's going on there. Uh, but I can tell you just from watching the play, that it's not going to be Dylan Radins. It's going to be one of these other guys. And we'll find out sooner or later who that's going to be.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to have thought that Dylan Radins would be the guy to solidify that O-line and right tackle. And I, and I mentioned that really in one of our first podcasts here, uh, that I thought that he might be an outstanding player for the Titans, especially why they drafted him so high. Uh, but yeah, it's so far in the training camp, he hasn't necessarily crossed that threshold of becoming the guy, and he has been struggling, as y'all have mentioned. Um, I I, I don't think that he would be necessarily the fit for the 17-game season. Maybe he will find a way to improve here in the training camp and possibly a little bit in the preseason games, but I'm not sure I've seen enough of that from him so far. So I do think that uh, Kendall Lamb would be a good solution for the Titans as a replacement there to make him a more steady hand in the right tackle position. I, I think that he was he has been overall as an NFL player a really good solution for uh, whenever he played for the Browns. I think that he was uh, a great solution for them and I think that with that he could be a better spot than Dylan Raidens. but I think that he just has a little bit more room to improve and still has some Uh, fundamentals that he has to take care of here before the season starts
0: yeah I think you both are right on the money I think the talent is there obviously the Titans believe so too or they wouldn't have used their second round pick on him I I I think you're kind of seeing he even said this a couple days ago he said the speed from the NFL guys is a lot they're a lot faster than the FCS guys and I think you're kind of seeing that you're seeing an FCS prospect Kind of get his feet under him and get used to life in the Nfl we You should almost expect him to kind of struggle a little bit out of the gates like he is. um so I don't think there's any reason to the worry like, I think in another year or two, I think he could be a pretty solid right tackle, but i think I think he's also running into the you're, you're kind of comparing him to to Jack Conklin. everyone that has kind of filled that role after Jack Conklin left. It's like, well, they're okay, but they're not jack Conklin. I get that jack Jack Conklin was an all pro his rookie here. no one's going to to be jack Conklin but I do think the talent is there for Dylan Radens to kind of step up. And I and I agree with you, Luke. I would I would rather see Ty Sambrilo take that role over Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb is a fine player. He did well in Cleveland. But when Sambrilo kind of stepped in for Taylor Lewan last year for the first three or four games, you didn't really notice. You didn't really you, you didn't really worry about who was playing left tackle because it wasn't an issue. And he was going against the other team's best edge rushers most of the time over playing left tackle. And I just think, I think Sam Brilo is a, is a better fit over there. And I would, if I were Mike Grable, I would rather have him there because I think he's less of a liability than Kendall Lamb. But that'll wrap it up for us here today. We are one week into training camp. When we come back at you next week, we'll have two weeks in the books of training camp, plenty more to talk about. Um, you can find my work and Austin's work on NashvillePost.com follow Luke on Twitter. What is your, what's your Twitter handle, Luke? Luke underscore worship. You can read his stuff at A to Z Sports Nashville. Uh, Go give him a follow and check out all the stuff on Twitter and read all the stuff and support local journalism. Thanks for listening.